Offense, play fast. Defense, swarm. Swarm and tackle. Attack. We got out block them. We got out tackle them. We got out hit them and hustle. It's real simple. You out block them. You out tackle them. You out hit them. And you out hustle. Let them know. Leave no doubt tonight. Leave no doubt tonight. No doubt. Welcome in. It is week eight of R.J. Bell's Dream Preview College Football Edition. I'm A.J. Hoffman, joined as I am every week by Scott Seidenberg. Scott, hello, my friend. We are in week eight. That means we're two-thirds of the way through the regular season. Yeah, It's crazy, right? It means that we are closer and closer to the first college football playoff rankings being released. Yeah, it's coming up pretty quick, man. And we're starting to see things get pared down. We're starting to see teams fall to the wayside or at least uh, their wiggle room disappear. And the latest teams to to have that happen to them, USC and Oregon, wiggle room, gone. Mm-hmm. Uh, both of them take a loss, although it certainly feel different about those two teams uh, after those two losses. It still feels to me like Oregon's one of the best teams in the country. And if they were to win out, you know, 12 and one Pac 12 champion. I could see an argument for them being in the college football playoff. I don't think USC is a very good football team. I, I think they're like a, um, you know, they're one of these teams going to be playing in, in the, the holiday bowl or the Alamo bowl or something like that. I, I think it's going to be, end up being a three or four loss season for them. Um, well, really, if you break down USC and you look at them objectively, to like take their name, take their logo, take the uniforms off, and just look at them as random college football team. What have they done? If you look at their resume, um, let's see. They beat San Jose State, Nevada, Stanford, Arizona State. Barely. Struggled with Colorado. Struggled with Arizona. And in their only road game against a good team, got blown out at Notre yeah. Dame. So what about this team's resume right now tells you that forget about being a national title contender, that they're a top 25 program. Yeah, I mean, it's they are they're the Miami Dolphins. They are on one side of the ball. They're not they're good, man. They, the offense is good, although Caleb Williams looks dreadful. He had the, the worst game of his career, arguably uh, throwing three picks in that loss. But. Uh, I don't worry about them scoring points, but I've been saying that this defense is not just like a, a you know, a middle of the road defense. Like they're objectively bad on defense. Mm-hmm. And when you're letting Colorado put points on you, you're letting Arizona's third string quarterback put up points on you. Uh, I, I just I don't have any faith in you. And I, I think this was the first of a, a handful. And this is the other thing. I don't know if we should have ever taken Caleb Williams seriously as a Heisman contender because. He had to be perfect this year. Yeah. And he just wasn't. This is this was enough. I he's out of the mix. I think if you've got a Caleb Williams ticket, you could forget it. Uh I, I don't think there's a path to, for him anymore because I think they're gonna lose at least one more game. So uh yeah. And then as far as Oregon goes, I, I still think everything's in front of them. It's just and and you know what? They may be better than Washington. I didn't change my power ratings on them. Uh I still have those two teams equal. And I it's it's hard to say that Oregon, you know, got outplayed. I think that Dan Lanning tried a big balls approach and it didn't work out. You go for it on fourth down three times and you go over three, that'll break your back. Yeah, but he clearly he cost his team the win. I don't, but I don't know that I, I, I don't know that I hate it, you know, on a, 
a strategic standpoint because I, I think he realized you're not winning this game with field goals. Sure. And, you know, if you convert one of those, mm-hmm. we're talking about a different game. So uh, I think Dan Lanning was playing to win, not to lose, or playing to win, not playing, not to lose. So mm-hmm. I, I respect it. It just didn't work out this time. Uh, still think very highly of that team. Still think very highly of Bo Nix, who uh, continues to – kind of have this career resurgence and yep. it's just like a totally different guy than the guy who like no one wanted to trust at Auburn. So let's give credit to Michael Penix who looked bad early in that game yep. and fought through uh, the injury and the pain that he was dealing with to come up clutch there in the fourth quarter. Yep. Uh, and now the minus money favorite to win the Heisman, which don't pay minus money on anyone to win the Heisman. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll it's say still that voted on a win. <laughs> yep. So uh, until it's like the end of the season, it's it's far from over. In fact, my suggestion is you find someone that you like that has a plus next to their name. Dylan Gabriel, 10 to 1. It's not bad. And uh, take a little stab at them. And then inevitably when Washington loses a game, yeah, you could probably get better price on Michael Penix. Yeah. So uh, try to have a portfolio of plus money guys on your Heisman uh, portfolio. I guess we should also talk about, because we do it every week, talk about Colorado's collapse this is i think this cost him a bowl game um it, this was the this is what colorado is right now they are when they're you know early in games and they're chucking the ball around everything's good they cannot finish football games because they can't run the ball and they can't play defense mm-hmm. that's a big problem when you can't run the clock late in games you're going to have a hard time putting anybody away this is why I've said all, all along, laying big numbers with Colorado is a terrible idea. Yeah. Like, if you like Colorado as a 20-point a dog, cool. I, I don't, I'm not going to fault anybody for it. But it started with the Colorado State game when I was like, okay, this is crazy. This, this doesn't make sense to, for, to have Colorado laying a number like this. And it turned out to be prescient. They cannot finish football games because they – at first, I thought maybe it was just Dion wanting to give Shador Heisman-type numbers, so he mm. just wanted to keep throwing. Now I think it's just they don't have it in them to run the football. They're not built for it. They, they Their offensive line can't run block. They don't have good running backs. It's just not an offense that's built to to finish off football games, and I think that's going to continue to be a problem. Uh, the rest of their schedule is rough. I don't know if there's another win on their schedule. Mm. I certainly don't think there's two more, which is what they'll need for bowl eligibility. So, fun story. And if you had uh, if you had over two and a half or three and a half, then God bless you. Um, but this is, uh, I think, this is where the, the the fun times in for Colorado. So, yeah. if you're looking at just uh, offensive PPA, they are above average. They're, they're right there with some of the top teams in the country. Not the upper echelon, but they're above average. And But defensively, they are significantly below average. So it, it's, it has not been good. I mean, they're slightly – they're worse defensively than USC, which is saying yeah, something. Yeah, that's saying something. All right, let's jump into this week's games. And, man, we are starting with a big one. Penn State at Ohio State. Numbers come down a little bit. Uh, it is now Penn State plus four is what we're looking at here. This is a spot I've had circled. Um, I've said Penn State, Penn State, Penn State. They, I can't picture them not smacking around this Ohio State team that I think is soft. I will say, now that the time is here, I, I mean, I'm still, I, I still like Penn State. Don't get me wrong. Yep. Penn State's offense, there's some things about it that I worry about. It, it, everything's methodical. 
Uh, everything is there's there's very little explosiveness with this team, but I trust their defense a lot. Uh, the offense again, I don't know what it is because their their offense offensive numbers, their metrics look good, like their yards per play and things. But all it is is they're beating up on crummy teams in, yeah. in you know garbage time when most teams take their foot off the gas. Penn State doesn't, but I believe in this defense. Ohio State's defense is for real, too. No doubt about it. But I still don't trust their offense, particularly as a favorite. Right now, they're dealing with injuries to uh, Abuka, Trayvon Henderson, Mayan Williams. They lost uh, their starting corner, Denzel Burke, in the second half last week. Like, they've got a lot of bodies that are banged up right now. I don't know how many of those guys are going to play or not. It's not like we get real injury reports from these these coaches. Um, but... One thing, is, as far as Penn State goes, like I said, they're not explosive, but they're careful with the football. Drew Aller, zero picks thrown this season. I mean, they just grind it, and I think in a game like this, that's enough. I've talked about Penn State's physicality and how I don't think Ohio State has the, the personnel to match that physicality in the trenches. I still believe that. I think Penn State getting anything over a field goal here is value. Uh, I think this is an under game, too. It's 46 and a half. Mm-hmm. I, I, this is an old school Big Ten rock fight. Uh, I, I trust Penn State's quarterback more. I trust Penn State's coach more. And I think I trust their defense about about equally, maybe even a little bit more. So to me, catching Penn State as a dog here is the only way I'm looking. I agree. We've said this for weeks now that we couldn't wait to bet Penn State against Ohio State. Penn State and Michigan, the two best defenses in the country when it comes to, you know, EPA-wise. Efficiency-wise, Penn State ranks above Michigan in defensive efficiency, number one in the nation. Ohio State's great. I mean, they're number 10, but Penn State is number one. So, yeah, you're right. I trust the Penn State defense way more than I trust the Ohio State defense in this one. Penn State has also covered six of their last seven games against Ohio State. And I, I, I've been saying it for weeks. They're the disrespected ones. They feel disrespected. Yeah. Everyone's talking about Ohio State and Michigan, about who's going to represent the Big Ten and go to the college football playoff. No one's talking about Penn State. They are the team that has looked the best, the most complete, I will say, because Michigan had their struggles, although that was without Harbaugh yeah. in the season. So maybe Michigan, I'm disrespecting them a little bit. But Penn State has looked complete, whereas Ohio State has shown some inefficiencies. I like the under as well because I don't know about both of these quarterbacks. This is the first big game for both of these it's, guys. It's hard to trust either of these quarterbacks, offenses that, again, we thought we thought all these skill position players for Ohio State, if McCord was even average, we were going to see them explode. And I think McCord's been about average. It just the offense has not clicked. There's something going on with this team, and now they're going to see the best defense they've seen all season. So uh, the under feels like the way to go. But you agree, Penn, like Penn State is a dog yes. is, the, is the look. Yes. All right, couple teams in the top 25. The games between Central Florida and Oklahoma, Air Force and Navy. We've got Scott with some best bets on. So we'll move those to the end of the show. So let's go next to the Oregon Ducks, the aforementioned Oregon Ducks. Ah. Laying 20 uh, at home against Washington State. And I've got to say, boy, Washington State, is the wheels are falling off for these guys. They got obliterated at home by Arizona with a backup quarterback. I mean, they were coming off their first loss of the season. We said, okay, no big deal. Mm-hmm. This was woof. When you look back at, Wazoo's wins now. You look at Wisconsin. Maybe that win wasn't as good as we thought. Mm. Uh, you know, 
Wazoo, the last couple weeks, their last two games, 225 yards per game. They've put up 12 points in those two games. Here's what's happened is we've seen teams start to rush three, drop eight, and this quarterback who everybody was, he was the toast of the town for the first few weeks. And now we're starting to see, oh, now he's playing, he's not playing against FCS guys anymore. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And we're starting to see some of the flaws. And when, when you have extra bodies in the secondary, he struggles with decision making. The blueprint is there now. UCLA put it out there. Arizona followed it to a T. And Arizona, who's way less talented than UCLA, looked great against him. Now you get a team who's got way better defensive talent than either of those teams. And the blueprint's been laid out. Yeah, I, I think Oregon has a good chance to dominate this game. Uh, Oregon's defense is going to be pissed off after losing last week's game. And if Arizona's backup put up 44 on Wazoo, who knows what Oregon can do. Uh, so I, I like Oregon. I'm, my favorite bet on this game is going to be the team total under 21 and a half mm-hmm. for Washington State. Well, that's the thing. Washington State was in such a great spot last week because we thought it was a complete letdown for Arizona coming off the overtime game against USC. But it didn't matter. So, and they were home. So you had a, the better situational spot and you were home and you still were embarrassed. Now you have to go on the road in a terrible spot against an angry team coming off their first loss, looking to make a statement to reestablish themselves and gain some confidence back. It's a terrible, terrible situation to be Washington State. I think Oregon runs away with this. Yeah. What Do you, do you think that, like what I'm saying, the team total under on Washington State makes sense given that Washington State's newfound struggles on offense? Sure. And, and I think – you look at Oregon's success this season, 4-0 ATS as a double-digit favorite. I think that they're going to they're gonna score a lot. The only thing you worry about when you're betting a team total under on a team that's a heavy underdog is if Oregon's winning this game by 30, do they let them score in the fourth quarter and then it's just a nonsense score that puts you over the top when third stringers are in? That's the only thing. Maybe go with a first-half team total under for yeah. Washington State. It just feels like, man, if Washington State couldn't – they couldn't chuck the ball around late against Arizona. Yeah, and how they do were you, getting blown out in that How do too. they do yeah. it here? I, it, it's, it's, they're in a real tough spot. Uh, all right, let's move to the SEC where it just means more. Tennessee catching eight-and-a-half at Alabama. If you've listened to this podcast all year – you probably know where I'm looking. Uh, I think this is a fantastic matchup for Alabama. And I, I, listen, I've not been like some bullish Alabama guy, but I have said all season long I, I want to fade this Tennessee team. I don't believe in this quarterback. I don't believe in Joe Milton, who, by the way, is barely inside the top 100 in EPA, passing EPA. And now Bama brings in the highest graded coverage unit in the country. Joe Milton is going to look like a bum on this field. I, I think last week was a sleepy spot for Alabama. Arkansas sandwiched between a road game uh, against, uh, against Texas A&M and this Tennessee game. Bama's got a bye week next week. There's nothing to look forward to before that LSU game. Uh, I think Tennessee's going to have their full attention. And after two close games, I think the Tide is able to produce some margin here. Tennessee, they far too often this season have settled for field goals. When last season it was touchdown, touchdown, touchdown. This is a field goal team. You can't be a field goal team in the red zone against Alabama. You can't. The other thing, Bama lost this game last year. 
First time since 2006 they lost to Tennessee. I don't think they're losing back-to-back. This is also Tennessee's second road game of the season. Remember, we were against them in their first road game mm-hmm. when they went to the Swamp and lost by 13. I like Alabama minus 8.5. I like the under in this game. I think this is a grimy game where Tennessee has a really hard time putting points up. Well, you got two of the top defenses in the country, uh, Alabama ranking 7th in defensive efficiency and Tennessee ranking 11th. And if you want to look at some trends, uh, Tennessee 1-5 ATS as a road underdog since the start of the 2020 season. Alabama, meanwhile, 15-6-1 ATS as a home favorite since the start of the 2020 season. Alabama has covered 12 of the last 17 meetings with Tennessee, and you mentioned playing with revenge. Not a good spot to go up against Nick Saban. Uh, the home team has the clear advantage here. I think Alabama, maybe an Alabama first half, but yeah, I think I'm with you on the under just because of how good both of these teams are defensively and not trusting either of these quarterbacks, honestly. Yeah, and Milrow's been, Milrow's been better. Uh, but Alabama ranking at the bottom of the SEC in terms of EPA on offense. It, yeah. it is not your prototypical it's not what Alabama been, team. No doubt. So, uh, But I, I do think defensively, Alabama's the kryptonite for Joe Milton. So I, I expect them to have a field day against him, uh, a guy who's just not comfortable uh, back in the pocket, uh, and especially against this coverage unit. I think he's going to have a really hard time. All right, South Carolina, six and a half or sevens out there, depending on uh, what you like, which is a great thing. If you've got yourself some options here. Uh, totals 59 and a half. Uh, they're at Missouri. I thought I'd be backing the dog here coming into this game. I, I, I was wanted to come into this week and look at South Carolina. It's a game I had circled, and I have uncircled it uh, as – Seeing Graham Mertz break their backs last week mm-hmm. is enough to turn me off of this team's defense. I, I trust him to score. But is it enough to put you on the over? I'm on the over. Yes. I'm on the over. <laughs> Mizzou's quietly been one of the biggest surprise teams in the country. The win last week against Kentucky, they've, they've kind of put themselves Down in. 14-0 in that game. Yeah. Came back and blew them out. They've put themselves in position to win the SEC East if they if they can beat Georgia, which isn't. This Georgia team, it's not out of the realm of possibility. Brock Bowers now. Yeah. So, you know, they've given up. South Carolina has given up 41 points in each of their last two games. Mm -hmm. That was against Tennessee and Florida. Two offenses I like a lot less than I like Missouri's. South Carolina is going to get their points on offense. but So this feels like an overspot more than me trying to say South Carolina will stay within the number. I'm going to stay away from the side. The, um, The total's gone up. Mm-hmm. I still think it's good, uh, up, up to 60 points. Missouri's gone over in six of their seven games this season. South Carolina has gone over in 13 of its last 17 road games. These are two teams that are scoring a ton of points and two defenses that aren't stopping anybody. I didn't look, I didn't even look at a side in this one. I had no <laughs> – as soon as I saw this game, I was like, I'm going with the over. I had no interest in playing either side here because I got two offenses that are capable of scoring and I got two defenses that haven't proven to me that they're capable of stopping anybody in a big spot. And I mentioned the trends that just point to the overs. Missouri 6 of 7 and South Carolina on the road 13 of 17. Yeah, so it looks like we, uh, we saw this game the same way – Coming in here. All right, let's go to North Texas at Tulane. And since they've switched to Chandler Rogers at quarterback, the the Louisiana Monroe transfer, North Texas has been a lot better on offense. Uh, That said, Rogers has gone up against some pretty bad defenses. Mm -hmm. And this is not a bad defenses, or not a bad defense, pardon me. Tulane, great against the run, against the pass, relative struggle. 
Uh, North Texas, they're all they're really going to do is throw the football. So Tulane, on the other hand, a running team, but they've been effective when they need to pass. North Texas, 131 in success rate against the run. Uh, and North Texas looked good last week against Temple on defense because they were playing without Kurt Warner's kid. Temple had a surprise backup quarterback thrown in. Temple couldn't get anything going. But I, so the under or the under hit last week. But I think generally North Texas is an over team. I'm going to look for the over here. I lean to taking the points, twenty and a half points in a game that I, you know I, I think that North Texas is going to score. They're going to score theirs in. Uh, Tulane also coming off that big Memphis win. I feel like this could be a down spot for them. Laying almost three touchdowns, I'll probably wait to see if I can get a, a twenty-one mm-hmm. uh, before I before I back North Texas. But over sixty-three feels like a good side here. We know Tulane, we know uh, North Texas's offense is good, right? Almost five hundred yards of offense yep. per game, but defensively they can't stop anybody. Nope. So it's just a worry that are they going to fall behind too much? And every time they come close and, and and pull within the cover, do they allow you know Tulane to then score on them again? Uh, some trends if you're looking at these two games: North Texas four zero against the spread since the start of last season as a double digit underdog. So they cover as double digit logs, du- double digit dogs. They've covered six of their last seven against AP ranked opponents. So they get up for big games. Meanwhile, Tulane has failed to cover the, their last three home games. Not a good yeah. sign for the Green Wave. Yeah, Tulane hasn't been, they've not been about margin this year. They were blowing teams out last season. It seems like they're just trying to get in and get out this season, which makes sense, uh, which is all the more reason for me to look at the, uh, at the dog here. Okay, here we go. Big Ten. Another disgusting spot where I am sitting here on a microphone considering – laying points with Iowa in one of the lowest total games of all time. Okay, 30, Minnesota thir- 32 and a half. We have to we have to mention this. Yes. 32 and a half. It's the fourth lowest total in the last 2 years, like in the last couple of years. Yeah. It's it, and it's one of the lowest in history. Minnesota plus 3 and a half at Iowa. It, it, listen, I said it against Purdue a couple of weeks ago. Doesn't feel good laying points with Iowa and it didn't. It was a stressful day, but they got the job done. I think I'd I'd do it again here. Uh, this is, first of all, Ference has owned this series yep. against PJ Fleck. Well, they've won the Five last straight covers for Iowa. Yep, they've won straight up the last eight times. Mm. Uh, Minnesota's been held below ten points in four of those meetings, and they're coming off a game against Michigan where they were physically dominated. So you're going to be gassed out. You've just been smacked around by a bunch of players who are going to be in the NFL next year. And now you got to play this Iowa defense, which is damn near just as tough. Um, Minnesota lost the yardage battle in that game, 432 to 169. Jeez. I don't think Iowa's going to – I think we can safely say Iowa's not going to sniff 400 yards of offense. But defensively, I think it could be very similar. Iowa allowing 12 points per game – in their six games that they didn't play Penn State. <laughs> so this is going to be ugly. I think I'm going to lay it with the Hawkeyes again. Am I crazy? You're not crazy. The trends point in your direction. They're 7-2-1 and one against the spread in their last 10 games as a favorite. Minnesota 0-4 against the spread against ranked teams since the start of last year. I mentioned Iowa's covered five straight in this series. And then you look at defensively. Iowa's the number three most efficient defense in college football behind only Penn State and Michigan. So we're talking about better than Clemson, better than Texas, better than Alabama, better than Utah. Like that's how good this Iowa defense is. 
I just don't know how Minnesota's scoring points. Am I ever comfortable laying points with Iowa? No, but they're home, so I go with the home team here. All right, let's look at the Big 12. It's weird to say Big 12 with this matchup. Last time we'll say a Big 12 matchup between Texas and Houston. Texas laying 23-and-a-half at Houston. The Horns have had an extra week to lick their wounds after that last-minute touchdown drive they allowed against Mm -hmm. Oklahoma. Meanwhile, Houston is coming off the opposite feeling, a game that everybody thought was over. They hit a Hail Mary, and it's elation. Things are all, all of a sudden, things are looking up in, in Houston. The matchup, though, is pretty tough for the Cougs. Texas ran the ball at will this season before that Oklahoma game uh, against Baylor and Kansas. They, I think they had, what, eight touchdowns on the ground in those two games. Oklahoma held them to four yards per carry and just one rushing TD. UH is not going to be able to hold that rushing attack. UH bad against the run. Uh, the last several games, they've just been run over, and they've given up 44 points per game the last two weeks. Texas coming off a bye. I think they're going to be able to dominate the trenches. And on offense, Houston's relied on big plays by Donovan Smith. This Texas defense, they're a lead against the pass. And they're going to take away running lanes for the quarterback as well. I don't know that I'm looking to lay 23 and a half here on the road, but I don't want anything to do with the Cougs coming off a, a very fortunate win. Uh, so I'll, uh, I'll I'll probably end up just passing this game. I like the over in this game. Um, nine of the last 12 Houston games against ranked teams have gone over the total. You mentioned their big play hope is how they score on offense. And when you're playing against a team like Texas that defensively is going to stop you, that defensively is going to turn you over, that offensively is going to score on you at will because you're a team that allows over 430 yards per game to opponents, not only will Texas score and put up points, but Houston's going to keep going downfield, which might actually lead to turnovers, and turnovers will lead to even more Texas points. Uh, you're right. I, I, it's not a comfortable thing to lay a big number like 22-and-a-half, but I do think that this game goes over the total because I think Texas scores into the 40s, and I think we're going to get a couple of touchdowns from Houston, and if it winds up being a blowout where Texas covers 22, in the event Texas covers 22, it's because they put up a 50-burger, yeah. which means that this game's going over anyway. So I do like the over. All right, let's look at another uh, spread in the low 20s. Virginia catching 23-and-a-half at North Carolina. Both of these teams now 4-1 and one ATS, but the money keeps pouring in on Carolina. I think what what's happened is our window to get Carolina at a value has now dried up, uh, particularly against these lesser teams. We saw Drake May last week throw four touchdowns against Miami. Omarion Hampton runs it 24 times for 197 yards. Are you kidding me? This is an elite offense. And now, we, I mean, we've talked about it. Their defense, way better than expected. Uh, they're 44th in scoring defense. Quite frankly, this is going to be one of the weaker offenses they've seen so far this season. Virginia finally got a win by beating William and Mary by 14 points. Congratulations. Mm-hmm. Uh, on paper, this game feels a lot like the North Carolina, or excuse me, the Virginia loss at Maryland where Maryland was just able to score pretty much every time they got the football. Virginia put up a couple touchdowns, but the, like if you never get a stop, you can't cover these numbers. So I think we're probably paying too high of a price on North Carolina right now, but I've got no appetite for the dog here. What about you? 
Tez Walker, since being declared eligible, He's had a freak. six catches against Syracuse for 43 yards. That was his first game, getting back in the swing of things, right? Well, then, last week against Miami, six catches, 132 yards, and three touchdowns. Can you say difference maker? Yeah, he's pretty good. Difference maker for this North Carolina team. North Carolina was already 4-0. I'm not even going to count his performance in the Syracuse game, so let's just say they were 5-0 and and brought back this playmaker to now elevate their offense on a different level. They're already a top-five offense in college football. Tez Walker makes them uh, – it gives them a different dynamic. Uh, the only thing that you can hesitate on is just recent history. They're 1-5 in five ATS in their last six games against Virginia, and they're 0-3 against the spread as a double-digit favorite. So they haven't done well carrying a big number. But this season, 5-1 and one against the spread. Best cover team in the ACC. It's a huge number, but they're going to put up a ton of points. 56 is – 56, can we trust Virginia to score? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what they put up. Maybe I, I'm saying they put up at least 10, 14. Yeah, North Carolina's going to get in the 40s. It feels that way. Yeah, the over feels like the, uh, the way well, I The lowest well. amount of points North Carolina scored this year is 31. Yeah, they're going to put up some points. 31, 40, 31, 41, 40, 41. So if they score 40, you need 16 points from Virginia to hit this over. Just seems like a, a different way to look at it. All right, Ole Miss laying six and a half on the road at Auburn. Lane Kiffin's boys coming in off a bye, and Auburn coming off an absolutely embarrassing showing against LSU. You put up sixteen points against LSU's defense. That's pathetic. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it, the Auburn offense just continues to be awful, and now you're facing an Ole Miss team who there's a couple things here. They haven't they haven't put up a bunch of margin yet. They haven't had a big margin in their games yet. But what they do do is they play fast and they put up points. It seems like that's the nightmare situation, the nightmare opponent for this Auburn team that wants to control the ball and grind clock and make it a low-scoring game. Lane Kiffin usually doesn't give you that option. He's going to make these guys chase – and if they have to chase, I think it it goes bad. Uh, Auburn's they're just not capable of playing from behind. So it's hard for me to want to back Auburn, even though they seem to play so much better at home than on the road. I think eventually Ole Miss wears them down and, and gets some margin from a team that's just, like I said, woefully prepared to play from behind. I, I don't – I mean – I'd consider Auburn if I was on the other side of seven. On this side of seven, it's it's favorite or pass for me. Auburn can't stop the run, which is going to be hard. When you can't stop the run, you you can't come back in football games. I know people say, oh, well, uh, if we can't score, we can't come back in football games, which just makes sense. Like If you don't have yeah. a good enough offense, you fall down double digits, you're not going to be able to, 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 to score and catch up to your opponent. But when your opponent has a lead and they're playing with a lead and they're running the football to grind the clock out and you can't stop the run, you're not going to get the football back. And Auburn can't stop the run. So when Ole Miss goes up by a, a number here in the second half and they're running the and they're trying to run the clock out, Auburn's not going to be able to get off the field. Well, Auburn's honestly the worst of both worlds because they can't stop the run and they can't throw like they can't throw the yes. ball. I mean, we, they failed to hit 100 yards in, what, three of their five games this season. So 
Uh, yeah, I, they're just they're not built to keep up with teams like Ole Miss. So that's the only way I'd look here. Uh, all right, let's look at another Big Ten matchup, Big Ten rivalry game. Michigan laying 24 at Michigan State. Total of 47.5. If there was a spot where I felt like Harbaugh would look to embarrass someone, mm-hmm. I think this is it. This is a kick-you-while-you're-down spot, and Michigan State's about as down as you can get. The loss last week, painful for the. I mean, that, that game, they were already counting it as a win. Like they were, uh, AJ, it felt like I was watching a high school football game. It, it was, <laughs> it was, I mean, I had Rutgers and Rutgers wins by three. They don't cover. It was just embarrassing for, for both sides. But for Michigan State, they score in their opening drive, which congratulations. Opening drives are scripted. They did well. They, the, all the practice all week to go over that first drive, it worked because they scored. That's it. That was it. They, the, the only other points they scored in the game came after, uh, Rutgers muffed punt gave them the football yep. on the ten yard line. Other than that, they were unable to move the football against Rutgers. Now Rutgers is a, a very good defense. Michigan Dang has Michigan. <laughs> the best defense. Michigan State's not going to score in this game. Michigan's winning this game like thirty five nothing. Well, uh, no one scored more than ten points against Michigan yet. They allow the fewest points per game in the country at six point seven. They've got the best red zone defense, thirty three point three percent. And Michigan State doesn't really do anything well on offense. They're outside the top 100 in pass efficiency, outside the top 100 in rushing offense, third down conversions, you name it. I don't know where their points come from either. Um, This is – and the other thing is, Sparty's won 10 out of 15 in this matchup. Crazy, right? It is crazy. But 13 and 2 ATS in their last 15 against Michigan. But it's mostly been they've they've done a good job defensively. And this is not a good defensive team. This Michigan State team is not good defensively. I lean to Michigan laying the points here, but I'm with you. I think the best way to get at this game is to play the Michigan State under the team total under, which is ten and a half points. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I'm okay with it. No one scored over 10 on them yet. I, I don't think that Michigan State is the team to do it. So uh, that's the way I'm going to approach this game as Love well. Love that. Love that. All right, let's look at big matchup in the ACC. Duke plus 14 at Florida State, total of 49. I was on Duke last week. I knew they were going to be without Riley Leonard. I said, I trust this defense to do the job against North Carolina State. They 100% did the job because, let's face it, uh, Henry Bielen played pretty poorly at, at quarterback for Duke. He was 4 of 12, 107 yards. But I don't think this Elko team is one we're going to see get blown out very often, even by good teams like Florida State. Uh, all due to respect to Clemson, Duke's the best defense Florida State will have seen so far this year. This Duke defense is for real. Uh, but Florida State's the best offense Duke will have seen as well. And it, sorry to Notre Dame, but th- th- that's just what it is. Uh I like Duke getting two touchdowns here. I don't know the status of Riley Leonard. He's day-to-day. Elko, he, Elko called him day-to-day. He was warming up before the last game, and he looked mm-hmm. crisp, and I was like, oh, if I get Riley Leonard, this is like great value I've got on Duke. It didn't matter because North Carolina State couldn't score. But if at 14, if Riley Leonard's not going to play, I like Duke. At 14, if Riley Leonard plays or even plays limited – I really like Duke, so I, that's the only way I'm looking in this one. Duke three and zero against the spread as a double digit dog since the start of last season. Florida State though seven zero and one against the spread in their last eight meetings 
against Duke. And Riley Leonard's status, as Mike Elko said, he is day-to-day, but he kind of laughed during the press conference when he said that. And What's funny? What's funny, Mike? Well, I'm just th- maybe that means like he is playing, but he's just saying like that he's still injured to you know play it down so that Florida State doesn't prepare for Riley Leonard. I mean, obviously Florida State's preparing for anybody. This should be a good game. If you're telling me Riley Leonard's playing this game, it's going to be a competitive game. So I lean towards taking the points here with Duke. Yeah, and 14's a lot, man. And like I said. Their their defense is the kind of defense that is not going to go. They're not going to get embarrassed very often. Uh, like I, I don't see Florida State putting up forty five points against this team. They're going to have to work for what they get. And again, if Riley Leonard plays, I, I think this is almost a, a a free roll situation. Like it's it's you're 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 holding a real good ticket if if Riley Leonard ends up playing here. All right, speaking of LSU, who played Florida State early in the season and put up some good points on them, uh, LSU looks to continue back. To, it looks to have a second week where they're not embarrassed on defense. <laughs> Can they do that against Army? Army catching 30 at LSU. I'll just say this. I, I don't lay 30 points against service academies pretty much ever. <laughs> But I especially don't do it with a defense like LSU's. They they got a little reprieve last week against Auburn. But I think playing a service academy in the middle of the season is just a terrible scheduling spot for them. Like They're coming off a game against Auburn. They've got to play Alabama in their next game. You've got no extra time to prep for the option. Kelly lost to Navy outright twice at Notre Dame. Uh, 4-0 against Army and Air Force. So uh, Kelly's seen the option a lot. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, does he have time? Like, with all the problems that LSU team has, does he have time to, to, get, to, to say, hey, I know we're playing this SEC schedule, but we really need to focus our defense on the triple option. That defense has enough problems without trying to figure out how to stop the triple option. This Army offense not as efficient as past seasons. But I just feel like even knowing LSU is probably going to score at will, I feel like 30 is just too much. It just feels like Army's going to try and control the clock, trying to utilize the count, the the running clock on first downs to make sure, sure. LSU doesn't have the football. Um, Army 4-12 and against the spread in the month of October since the start of 2019, which is interesting. Uh, they've also 0-3 in their last three games against ranked opponents. And we know that they are an under team. They've gone under 13 of their last 20 road games. The strategy is simple. Keep the football away from LSU. LSU is going to score when they have the ball on offense. Can Army sustain enough possessions so that LSU doesn't win this game 42 to nothing? Yeah. That's the question. It is a good question. And this is one of those ones. I don't think I'm going to have money on this. But it's one of those games where, like, if you're looking at it and you're thinking, oh, LSU scores, they're going to score 30 points in their sleep. LSU, if you're looking at just uh, offensive, defensive EPA, LSU, one of the best in the country offensively. Like, they're up there with Washington, Oregon, Air Force. But defensively, they are one of the worst. Yeah, it's bad. We are talking about the only teams that are, like, worse than them, New Mexico, Stanford, uh, Nevada. UMass, San Jose State. Not great company. No. Not great company. So, uh, all right, let's look at a couple Pac-12 games before we hit best bets. Utah catching six and a half at USC. Give me two. This 
feels like a good bounce back spot for USC. This is one of the few games on the schedule where their terrible defense might not hurt them that much. The Utes have been pretty much inept on offense, Mm -hmm. especially away from home. And rumors are now that Cam Rising is not going to play this season. There's talk about him coming back for a seventh year. Yeah. Like, I I don't think getting a medical hardship and coming back. I I don't think he's going to play this season. That has to be an emotional blow to this team. And if you're ever going to get a focused USC effort, it's got to be off that Notre Dame performance. I, I still think this USC team is broken and there's multiple losses for them on the schedule. I don't think this is one of them. I think USC at home here, when you're only asking for a touchdown, a margin, I feel like that's, that's doable for this team. What do you think? Utah 13-4 and four against the spread as a road underdog in the past 10 seasons. So say that again. Thirteen and what? Utah's thirteen and four against the spread as a road underdog. Wow. Okay. In the past ten seasons, Kyle Whittingham's an incredible coach. He's good. And defensively, Utah's one of the best teams in the country. I, I, I again, I go back to what I said when we talked about USC and their loss to Notre Dame. What has USC done this year? If you take the names off their jersey. Just give them different jerseys. They're not the USC Trojans. They are a team that has struggled with Arizona State, with Colorado, that took triple overtime to beat Arizona and got blown out on the road at Notre Dame. Meanwhile, Utah, Team B or whatever you want to call them, nice win over Florida, you know, wins at Baylor. A Struggle, struggles at Baylor. Struggles, sure. And by the way, Baylor, Baylor's a, not good. A defensive win against UCLA, going on the road to Oregon State and losing, but, you know, competitive game. For but I think what we know is Utah is a totally different team at home versus away. Sure. And that's what worries me here is, like, are, how many points are we expecting them to put up in this game? And as good as their defense is at home, it's not as good on the road. Like, are, are they going to? Can you picture them holding UC, USC to twenty points? I have a hard time seeing that. Twenty-eight at the most. You think so? I think four touchdowns at the most. Okay, but yeah. then again, are they scoring three? That's a good to question. Cover the number. I, I, with, it, with these quarterbacks are bad. I'm sorry, neither one of them are good. Like they they keep trying and like, you know, maybe it, the under fifty six is the way to look in this game. I don't hate that. I if this game were at Utah, that'd be the first thing I looked at. Sure. But yeah, under fifty six. I, I I don't think this is like some. You it know, seems like US, one of those. I don't think USC's putting up forty in this it, game. It seems like one of those sharp plays where people are going to look at USC and fifty six, and the square play is going to be like it's USC and it's a it's a low total. You have to go over. Yeah, but it's going to be an under type game. Coming off of that loss last week, yeah, maybe USC focuses more on being. Uh, Sharp and efficient as opposed to explosive. All right. Arizona State catching 26 and a half at Washington. And like we said, Washington kind of uh, kind of escaped with a win against Oren. But I, I don't know that I would consider this a letdown spot considering they've got Stanford up next. Arizona State's playing respectably. Um, but I think what we do have to say is we thought early in the season, the non-Pac-12 season, that Washington's defense was, like, really good. Uh, I think they're they're okay. I don't think that they're, you know, really good. Um, 
they've given up a lot of yards to these Pac-12 teams, and I could see that continuing here. Oregon, think about that. Oregon's one of the one of the most physical teams in the Pac-12. It's like Oregon, Oregon State, and Utah. Those mm-hmm. are the teams you think about when you play them. It's like you get your ass kicked. I think that took a that that win had to take a lot out of this Huskies team. Arizona State can they can do okay against the run, and if this game goes the way I picture it going. Washington gets out to a lead. They want to sit on it, and they run the football. Arizona State is able to keep it kind of close. Remember, Penix spent some time in the injury tent last week. Yeah, he said it was just a cramp, though, and he said that he's fine, and it was just a cramp and that he was gutting through it. But don't you agree, after that Oregon win, if you're Kalen DeBoer, suddenly you look at that and go, whew, dodged a bullet there. Yeah. Because you understand that now – you're you're not in just a position to win the Pac-12. Like you're in a position to go to the college football playoff. Yep. And you, you can't you can't do that without Michael Penix. So when you're up four scores against Arizona State, do you, do you really want to have him out there running around chucking it at this point in the season? I tend to think no. I think you got to start being careful with him. You got to start managing the workload for him, the exposure he gets in these blowout games. So I, I think the the back door's wide open for Arizona State here, an Arizona State team that's been surprisingly uh, competitive given their pretty bad quarterback situation this season. That's fair. It, it is a big number uh, total in this game is what fifty nine. Yep, fifty nine. Could see it going. I could see it going under if we think that this is going to be a conservative approach. From Washington, and even if they do wind up covering this game, but still take a conservative approach, maybe it's just because Arizona State's not scoring. Yeah, it's hard when you come off a game like they're coming off of against Oregon with the national attention on them. But the one thing I will say is that this is a primetime game at home where it's easier to get up for as opposed to if this was a noon kickoff, man, I think I'd be all over Arizona State. Just you know, wake up yeah. Saturday morning. No, it's yeah. a boring, like you know, random Pac-12 game. But no, this is a primetime game. Everyone's talking about you as a national title contender. You will have already seen the results of what happened earlier in the game, meaning that the Washington Huskies are going to be in the locker room getting ready for this game, already knowing that Penn State or Ohio State lost a football game. I wonder if like do Pac-12 teams think of set like the 7:30 Pacific slot as like a primetime game for them? Because I'm like you know it's you're you're at 7:30. Oh, they don't care about the East Coast audience no, watching like them. Nobody's they, watching that game. But they care about it's seven. It's it's a night game. Uh, it's a night game for them on campus, right? Yeah. So like everyone, the crowd's going to be amped up. They're going to be drinking all day. Be, well, we're not condoning, but they're gonna, they're going to be there all day. I can't. And, and they and they're going to. So that's what I'm saying is they're going to. They're already going to see you know USC or Utah have a loss in the Pac-12, right? They're going to see on the national landscape Penn State or Ohio State with a loss, and they're going to be thinking to themselves, man, we are in a position right now to put ourselves a top four team in the country in the college football playoff conversation. Like if the rankings came out today, which they come out the 31st, but we're going to be in the college football playoff and then seeing Utah or USC have that second PAC 12 loss, a lot of motivating factors that can help them get up for a game against an opponent that they probably wouldn't normally be up for. 
All right, let's look at UCLA, last of our top 25 games, at least without a best bet on them. UCLA minus 17 at Stanford. UCLA also in a bit of a bounce-back spot, and I think we're catching Stanford a little high coming off the Colorado win. Mm -hmm. The truth is, like I said, Stanford just played against a Colorado team that can't close out games. Um, Stanford is 128th in net yards per play and 127th in defensive success rate on the ground. Between Carson Steele, T.J. Harden, Anthony Atkins, the Bruins are going to pound this team yeah. into submission. And when when there's when there, there's going to be open shots down the field at some point. Stanford's one twenty sixth in EPA per pass allowed. This is a bad team. Yeah, only only New Mexico is worse than them defensively. If you're looking at all metrics on uh, on on EPA and whatnot. And they're oh six and one against ranked teams since the start of last season. ATS. I think this is the spot where it's like, hey, great win last week. Now you're going to get demolished. I don't love UCLA's quarterback room. I'm, I'm, I don't know that they're playing the right guy anymore. I just um, think this is a fade spot for Stanford. I, I think that's what it is too. But I, I also looked at – I, 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 I kind of like UCLA minus 17, but I think I like more their team total over 35 and a half. Okay. Like where, I can where, see it. where do the stops come from? No, there, I, there's it, not going to be any. It's hard to picture. So I think UCLA uh, puts up some points here. So And, it, and it's one of the few games that, you know at Stanford this week that – one of the few games in the country you don't have to worry seemingly about weather. Mm -hmm. So it feels like it's a good time to play an over. So uh, that's probably what I'll look for in that game. All right, before we get to best bets, why don't you tell the people how we can save some money for them at pregame.com. Yeah, just go to pregame.com and use our promo code, the promo code that's going to save you $10 on anything you'd like at pregame.com. It is Heisman 10. Heisman 10, good for $10 off anything at pregame.com. Whether it's a daily best bet, there are some up there right now. Major League Baseball postseason going on. Your boy over here is 12-0 in the postseason. Unreal. And I got a three-star up for Wednesday's ALCS Game 3. Take $10 off using the promo code Heisman 10. AJ's college football cards over the past couple of weeks have been absolutely dominant. What was it, 9-4? and four? Uh, nine and three. Nine and three. Sorry, yeah. I gave you an extra loss. There. Yeah, yeah, thank nine you. and three. You can get ten dollars off AJ's Saturday college football card using the promo code Heisman ten. Again, Heisman ten at pregame.com. Save ten bucks on your purchase on the website. All right, let's get to best bets, and I'll I'll give it. I'll start it off here, and I'm going to go with Memphis minus five at UAB. I like this. They are coming off a tough loss to Tulane. This was almost like a conference championship type vibe. But things get a little easier now against this UAB defense. They are terrible in coverage. Uh, and Memphis, one of the best teams in the country at finishing drives. That's bad news for a UAB defense that's 116th in total defense. They give up 429 yards a game, five and a half yards per carry on the ground. Memphis is not road traveled. They've not been on the road much. It's just their second road game. The other game, they blew out a bad Arkansas State team. I've got UAB better than Arkansas State, but it's by about a touchdown. Memphis was a 21-point favorite in that game. They won by 34. Now they're laying just five on the road against this UAB team that's in the bottom tier in every defensive and special team stat. UAB's got a respectable offense. They can't protect the passer. They're one of the worst in the country in, in havoc allowed, which means there's going to be a big negative play at some point. There's going to be a turnover at some point. 
I feel good laying points with the more talented roster that's got an actual college football coach coaching them. Uh, give me Memphis minus five for my best bet. I like it. It was going to be one of my plays, uh, but I didn't pull the trigger on that nice. one. So I co-signed the Memphis play. I'm going to go with Air Force. Air Force laying 11 against Navy, and it's a big number. And I know everyone's going to say don't lay a big number when the total is this low, especially when you consider that unders and service academy games are 43-10-1 going back to 2005. 12-1-1 since 2018. Yeah, but here's what we have to know. Uh, we have to explain here. Rain is in the forecast in Annapolis. We know that both teams are going to run the football. One team can run it. The other team can't stop it. One team can stop it. The other team doesn't have as much success running it. Air Force allowing just 14.7 points and 240 yards per game. Navy averaging 235 yards per ground on the ground. We know that. They're fine. But Navy has failed to cover the spread in seven of their last eight games at home. Air Force ranks 16th in the country in points per game, 37.6. They're 14th in the nation in offensive efficiency. They're all Navy allowing 148.5 rushing yards per game. Air Force only allows 77. And because Air Force runs the football over 91% of the time, Navy's going to have to defend that, and they don't do a good enough job defending it. Air Force averaging 327 yards on the ground per game, tops in the country, and it's just going to be a, a, a nonstop, you know, like scrum, three, dirty, muddy, rainy, rugby style for three hours. And here's what I like even more about the possibility of Air Force covering a big number here. Quarterback Zach Larrier is out. So the backup's in, senior Jensen Jones. He's been in the program for a while. He took all the snaps in the spring. He's a bigger body, a more powerful runner. Not as quick, but more powerful, which is going to help you between the tackles. But his teammates keep talking about his arm power. Like, this kid can throw the football. And so Air Force, even though there's rain in the forecast, might take a shot or two down the field to take advantage of this kid's arm. And that is going to lead to maybe some explosive plays and big scores. So I like Air Force to score because I think that they're going to be able to run the ball effectively, and Navy's not going to be able to stop them. Yeah, I worry a little bit about Larry being out. Uh, there's just not a lot of film on Jensen Jones to know. Like, So I, mm-hmm. I heard the same things about his, what his teammates were saying, but I haven't seen it. And there's a reason why he took all the spring snaps, and then they said, nope, Larry's better. Like That worries me a little bit, but – the defensive metrics for Air Force are so good. I mean, they're a top five run defense. Mm-hmm. They're the third best total defense in the country. Um, and, and really, these games, the, the recent games, last five years, uh, Navy, Air Force has won four of the last five, average score 27 to 12. So they have been low scoring games, but Air Force has still been able to get margin uh, in most of those games. So uh, I. I don't. I don't uh, disagree with this pick. I'm a little nervous about the mm-hmm. quarterback situation. Uh, it was a game that I had circled to bet. I wanted to back Air Force in this spot. Larry are being hurt, and I, it's a real bummer that Troy Hal- Troy Calhoun. When they asked him how long he'd be out, he just said a while. Yeah, that's a bump. I mean, I, they're going to get past this game. Air Force is a team that's starting to have like. New Year's New Year's Six Bowl hopes like this is one of the better G five teams mm-hmm. in the country, um, so it's a bummer that that he may he may miss some significant time. But yeah, if I had if I were playing this side or playing a side in this game, it would be Air Force. I've got no interest in Navy. Uh, the, the quarterback situation worried me enough to keep me off of it, though. What's your second best bet? 
I'm going to go with the running Rebs out here in Nevada. UNLV minus seven and a half. UNLV, Colorado State, is one of three teams that are six and zero against the spread this season. Does that mean they've never lost? It's Penn State, <laughs> UNLV, and Oklahoma. Oh yeah, three undefeated six and zero teams. ATS three top teams in your power ratings, there right? You go. Three of the top ten. Yeah, I would have to say so. No, I, listen, I was on UNLV last week against Nevada. And all the late money went against me. And there were people, we had it on our contest, and there were people tweeting, ooh, great CLV on UNLV, LOL. Didn't matter. They, it was, they, we laid nine, they won by 18, mm-hmm. closed seven and a half, didn't matter. UNLV's lost one game, and that was to Michigan, which I think, listen, it, we can agree Michigan's pretty good at sports. That's yep. going to happen. They got dominated in that game. Their biggest weakness was exposed, which is stopping the run. Guess what? UNLV, they allow 220 yards per game on the ground. Colorado State does not run the ball. They're not interested in running. They're chucking the ball around. And since that Michigan game, UNLV has put up over 40 points in every game. Colorado State's coming off this win against Boise. Very good win. But listen, Boise turned it over three times in that game. And things are a lot different for Colorado State when they're not in Fort Collins. Their other wins, an FCS team and Middle Tennessee. I'm not buying into this Colorado State team. We saw them choke away a big lead early two weeks ago, like when we were backing them and it felt mm-hmm. good and they blew it. It's hard to trust this team. And I like what Barry Odom's doing. This team, this UNLV team is clicking. They're confident. I think they take care of business at home against a team that they've got some good matchup advantages against. So UNLV minus seven and a half will be my second best bet. I'm also going to bet on a six and zero ATS team. And no, it's not Penn State or UNLV. So it's the other one, Oklahoma. Hey, it's the Dylan Gabriel revenge game against UCF. Yeah. Why not? Uh, Dylan Gabriel, second favorite to win the Heisman Trophy behind Michael Penix. Uh, Penix is a minus fit one forty favorite, but Gabriel's ten to one as the the second favorite. He's thrown for 1,878 yards, 16 touchdowns, just two interceptions this season. Oklahoma is one of the best teams in the country that people might not have uh, remembered last week with all the hype around Washington and Oregon playing that game because they were on a bye. Oklahoma, after beating Texas, had a week off to just marinate in that victory, and now they're hungry and eager to get back on the football field at home where they take on a UCF team that has lost their last three games once they started conference play. Welcome to the Big 12 UCF. They have surrendered 43.7 points per game, 6.6 yards per play in the three conference games, losses to Kansas State, Baylor and Kansas allowing 44, 36, and 51 points. UCF is a very capable offense. John Reese Plumley is a game time decision. Uh, you know, what I don't know what his status is going to be. Doesn't matter. He's playing against this Brent Venables defense. They're not going to get the offensive output that, that they have been getting. And they only put 22 points up against Kansas last week. So what they're what are they going to do at Oklahoma? It's not going to be a pretty sight for them. UCF just they've been a great story over the past couple of years. Maybe they'll be good in the next iteration of the Big 12 once, you know, Oklahoma and Texas are gone, but not right now. My concern with this was just the number. I I I think Oklahoma should smash them, but Central Florida's last game was against Kansas. They were mm-hmm. at Kansas, and they were a two-point favorite yeah. at Kansas. 
Now they're catching 19 at Oklahoma. I, I don't think even like the most bullish Oklahoma power ratings would say Oklahoma's 21 points better on a neutral than Kansas. Like, it just feels like either, and you know, listen, Central Florida got blown out. They were two-point favorites that got blown out. There should be some adjustment. It just feels like a pretty heavy adjustment's been made, or you're just being taxed heavily to bet the unbeaten Oklahoma team, which that's very possible as well. I think I, I like the over in this game more than anything because I think Plumley being back does make a difference, uh, and, and I think that it, it, even if they don't cover the spread, I think that he's going to make a difference for Central Florida mm-hmm. on the offensive side. He'll put up a couple touchdowns, and if if Oklahoma ends up blowing him out on the other side of the ball, whatever. Uh, but at sixty five, it feels like Plumley being back should help that number go over. Just feels like this is a, a celebration for Oklahoma returning home after the Red River rivalry and, and being able to put up a big number here against UCF before uh, going on the road for the next couple of games. All right, that is going to do it for the week eight episode of RJ Bell's Dream Preview College Football Edition. Once again, to uh, reiterate, best bets. Scott is on Oklahoma minus 19, Air Force. Minus ten and a half. I'm going with Memphis minus five. UNLV minus seven and a half. Four favorites for the best bets. I'm sure that'll go well for us. I'll give you a bonus pick as well on the Oklahoma game. Team total right now is at forty two and a half. If it goes below forty two and a half, bet it because forty two is a key number. Sure. But if you look at the DraftKings sportsbook, you can bet their over touchdowns. Oklahoma over touchdowns, and that number is sitting there at five and a half. And what's six times seven? 42. 42. Great so math. instead of playing the over 42, you can look right now and get over five and a half touchdowns for Oklahoma in that game against Central Florida. What's the juice on that? Minus 130. Okay. So you like that better than the team total over? Well, only because it's 42 and a half. Yeah. I would like it 41 and a half. It's an auto. Yeah. That's not an auto play, but 41 and a half is a play for me. Yeah. 42 and the under is juice. So maybe it goes down, but I would rather play the over five and a half touchdowns because you're essentially playing over 41 and a half points. Well, there you go. A little bonus action for you guys as well. So uh, hopefully we'll be back next week talking about five and oh on best bets. I'd take that. Uh, and hopefully we, we threw you some info on some other winners here in some of these top 25 games. Again, I, I've been on, I've been waiting for this Penn State moment. Uh, I'm going to feel real dumb if we turn on our mics next week and Penn State loses by 20. Uh, but I, I don't picture that happening. So I, it's one of those I, I feel very confident about. Uh, for Scott Seidenberg, I'm AJ Hoffman. We will talk to you guys next week.